that that just in our hearts and in our very being scream out the holiness of God and be willing to admit that when we are in his presence, when we are aware of who he is, we see who we really are. And it's amazing to me that you want a relation with relationship with us because of our lack of holiness. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. And thank you for the fact that through Christ Jesus, we've been washed clean, we've been made new, a new creation in Jesus Christ. And we can enter into your holy presence because of what your son Jesus has done for us. Thank you. It is our prayer and our heart's desire that in the next few moments as we open the word of God that your spirit would be free to touch us, to speak to us, to encourage us, to challenge us, and maybe to stop us short because of some things that are going on in our life that we haven't dealt with and we've left alone and we've allowed sin to to fester and to be in a place that it ought not to be. And so whatever it is that your spirit needs to do, God, we ask that you would do it. It's our heart, our heart's desire to see Jesus, to know him better, to be better able to serve him and live for him today. So meet with us, continue to meet with us. Be pleased with our meeting together. Work in our hearts as only you can. We'll praise you for all that you're going to do. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. Last week, Pastor Mike started a series, uh, and we began looking at uh, being partners at Mossbrook. If you've been with us very long uh, at all, you know that we don't do membership at Mossbrook. We do something called partnership, and the idea of that is that we, every year, we re-up, and that is something that we've looked at for the whole length of Mossbrook being in existence, and we've talked about it as elders in this light that... We don't belong to a social club. We don't belong to a club, a gathering of people who, who sign a membership and, and show up every week and, and have rights and membership and, and things that we desire because we're members. We're part of a body of Jesus Christ, which is a, it is a relational body of Jesus Christ. And we feel like we need to be reminded on a regular basis that we're a partner. We're part. We're a member of that body of Jesus Christ. And so what we do every year at Mossbrook is we remind each other that we are members, partners of the body of Jesus Christ, and we encourage each other to re-up, if you would, not our salvation, but our commitment to one another and our commitment to Jesus Christ. And so we started that last week, and Pastor Mike did a great job of reminding us that the purpose of partnership here at Mossbrook is that we are Christ followers who are on a mission. We are sent on a mission by Jesus Christ himself. And every one of us, our mission is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and in the church setting, we can often make the mission all kinds of different things. Uh, we can become about a, 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 a plethora, if you will. How do you like that word this morning? I was reading the dictionary. A plethora of things that, that really don't, sometimes don't even go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's stuff that we get involved in and we think they're important. We think we must, we should do it. 
when Jesus actually called us and he put us on a mission and that mission was sharing Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that God loved those he created so much that when Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned, immediately God had a plan to redeem mankind back to himself, to fix the broken relationship. He didn't wring his hands for a period of time wondering what he was going to do. He immediately had a plan, and that plan was that one would have to pay the price for sin, and that one would be his son, Jesus Christ. A perfect lamb would be sacrificed to pay the price for sin, and through that perfect sacrifice for sin, we could be redeemed and restored, made new in our relationship with our creator, our father, God. And so when Jesus came and he went to the cross and he died and he rose again the third day and he came back and he talked with his disciples, he said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you on a mission. I'm going to tell you what the main thing is. I'm going to remind you of why I came, what I came to do so that you don't lose focus. And the main thing is that you would share the truth of what I did to redeem all of mankind for all time. That you would help mankind understand that their relationship that was broken by sin, their sin, my sin, can be fixed, has been fixed through the blood of Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice on the cross. And then God said this, he said, now what I want, he told Jesus to tell us what I want you to do is I want you to go throughout the entire world and I want you to share the truth of Jesus Christ so all of mankind could be restored and that is your mission. And that's what Mike shared with us last week. That is the mission, the gospel of Jesus Christ to all mankind. And he challenged us and asked us about, are we involved in the mission? Are we just doing church? Are we doing all the activities? Are we actually fulfilling the mission that he sent us to do? Now, my job this morning is to talk to you about the barriers that we face in fulfilling the mission. Now, I need you to know something, that every great mission in all of time has barriers, now, I don't want you to think when I say every great mission, I don't want you to think like D-Day. I mean, that's a great mission, right? You remember that? That was a huge mission. I don't want you to think maybe the building of the Brooklyn Bridge, if you haven't read the story, it's a huge mission. That was a huge event that happened that took a long time to actually, or the building of the Panama Canal. It was a huge event, took a long period, of, that huge missions. But all of us have smaller missions, or they're big missions to us because they're in our everyday life. A mission of following Christ is a giant mission. A mission of being a parent that's full of integrity and raising their kids to follow God. That's a huge mission. A mission of being a worker in a workplace that is full of integrity, can be trusted by their boss. That's a huge mission. A mission of being a great friend to someone else and caring for that person and loving on them in the way that would honor God. That's a huge mission. And so all of the missions that we face that God brings into our life are big missions. In every mission that we face, everything that we do, there are barriers to the mission. Our mission this past week, uh, 
Mr. Rick Coombs was kind enough to, he's a plumber, and he was kind enough to help us out this week with the plumbing at the, at the new building, and I was there, I was grunt labor, I didn't know anything about much, but I was there to help him out, and our mission this week in doing plumbing was to, to start putting all the plumbing in so that we can bury that and get the cement slab, get the heat in, get the cement slab in, and, and doing that mission this week, guess what we ran into? Barriers. Did you know that there's a short shortage of sewer and water pipe in our country right now? <laughs> it's hard to find. God provided. We found it. We got what we needed pretty much. But there's a barrier, right? There's barriers to everything we do. And those barriers have to be overcome. We have to, we, we can't just back up and say, well, there's a shortage. I guess we'll, we're done. Let's have a coffee. And in our life, it's the same way. We run into these barriers in our life, and often, instead of figuring out how God wants us to walk through those or how God wants us to face those or what, what God wants us to do in the middle of that, we just back up, sit down, and say, I'm done. There's a barrier. Can't do it. So this morning, I want to talk to you about just two of the barriers, because I think that these two barriers are the ones that actually affect all the rest of our life. And if you can get a hold of these two, the rest of them kind of fall into place. So in order for us to do the mission that God has directed us to do, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's two barriers that may stop us from actively being engaged in the mission. Ready? Barrier number one. Here it is. You ready for this? Are you sure? Because this is deep. This is really deep. You ready? Self-focus. I know it was up there. <laughs> I know. I could see you. Self-focus. I want you to say it with me. One, two, three. Self-focus. Let's do it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Who's the problem in this? Yeah, self. I am. I'm the problem. Let's say that again. Who's the problem? Okay, two, three, four theaters, those online. Who's the problem? I'm the problem. Self. Self is the problem. I want to read a couple of verses because I, I want you to understand something. Who's the problem? Self. self is the problem. And when I read these verses, I don't want you to think about I don't want you to think about your spouse. I don't want you to think about your kids. I don't want you to think about your grandparents. I don't want you to think about your grandkids. I don't want you to think about the people that you work with, your boss who you don't like. I don't want, I don't want you, maybe you like your boss, but I don't want you to think about anybody else. I want you to think about who? Yourself. Yourself. Because the issue that we have with the mission, first and foremost, is not anyone else. It's me. It's my problem. And we live in a culture where we have been taught that every barrier, every problem that we face, everything that's difficult, everything that we come up against is somebody else's problem. It's not mine. And it's a lie from Satan himself. And so I need you, before we read these, I need you convinced in your mind, don't think about anybody else. Think about who? Self. Yourself. Myself. All right. Let's keep going. 
because self-focus. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. Let me read this with you. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus talking, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily, that's important, and follow me. For whosoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? Deny himself. This verse starts out with denying self. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's preparing. Actually, he's, he's, he's sent, sending them on mission, but, but he's preparing that soon Jesus is going to be gone. And he's talking about how they're going to follow him, what they're going to do to follow him. And he says, look, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to live for me, if you want to fulfill the mission that I give you, then you got to deny yourself. you got to say no to your own desires. Folks, let me ask you this. Remember, we're thinking about ourselves, not anybody else. When was the last time that you told yourself no? When was the last time that you had a desire that you wanted to fulfill and you looked at yourself in the mirror and you, you, you had a conversation, Rick found out this week when I was working with Rick that I talk to myself when I work and there's a lot of people who work, Mike has brought this up before, I do this all the time and he was trying to figure out whether I was talking to him and he should answer me or if I was talking to myself and most of the time I'm just talking to myself. But you need to have a conversation with yourself. You need to speak to yourself and you need to look at yourself in the mirror and you need to say to yourself, self, no. No is a complete sentence, by the way. No. No to my desires. I don't need that. I don't need to buy that. I don't need to go there. I don't need to do that. No, it would be better for me to do something that is more productive for me or it would be better for me to spend a little extra time with God or it would be better for me to pray a little longer. It would be better for me to worship a little bit more. No, no. That's denying self. I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm not talking, I'm saying this, that there are things in my life and they're not all bad. They're not sinful things. They're just coming to the point in my life where I discipline myself. I am putting discipline on myself. I am telling myself no. Denying self is refusing to do anything that would hinder me from being on mission. God gave me a mission. Do you realize that really the only mission that is important in your life right now, even as parents, you have kids, but the most important mission that you have is sharing the gospel? It's sharing the gospel with your kids. It's living the gospel with your kids. Grandparents, the most important mission you have right now is living out the gospel, first of all, with your kids, but also with your grandkids. That's the most important thing. It's not going to Florida. It's not being in retirement. It's not living a comfortable life. It's not having enough to make it. It's fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. It's sharing the gospel with those who are closest to you. And in order to do that, it means that I come to a point where I deny myself. It's not about me. Now, you need to realize something, that this is completely counterculture. 
Everything today is about self-love, self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction, self-devotion, self-interest. What do I want? What would make me feel good? What makes me look good? What is it that, that if I do this, I'm going to get 25 billion likes because I did it. Because it's so important and it looks so good and everybody sees me. And God says, no, deny yourself. Totally the opposite of what our culture is saying. Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, I want self-control, I want self-discipline, and I want self-sacrifice in your life. That's what I want. So when was the last time you told yourself no? By the way, if you're going to deny yourself, this affects your comfort. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to be completely honest with you, I like comfort. Do you? You can, do I or not? Because you do. There's not one of you who have chosen to bring in a metal chair to sit down in today. So I know you like your comfort. And by the way, these are not going to the new building. It's too hard to speak to you guys sitting in those chairs. We like our comfort. This means that the goal of my life is not how comfortable I can be. That's not the goal. If you're a Christ follower here today, the goal of your life is how can Christ use me? How can Christ use me to share the gospel? So deny yourself. Second thing in that set of verses, he says this. Pick up your cross. We're not talking about picking up the cross of Jesus Christ. That's not what he asked. That was Christ's cross. And by the way, when he says pick up the cross, the cross in, in Scripture is a symbol of suffering, of pain, and ultimately of death. We use the cross now, and we, we put it all over the place, and it's this nice religious symbol that we have all over the place, and that's not how it was used in Scripture. You didn't wear a cross around in Scripture because the, the point of a cross was ultimately your death. That was the point. It was suffering. It was painful. A cross is a horrible, horrible, horrible object because what happened at the cross was that people who were put on the cross suffocated and died. They couldn't breathe. It's a horrible death. And that's the picture of the cross. And so when God, when Jesus says this to his disciples, he says, look, if you're going to follow me, you're going to deny yourself. It's not about making yourself comfortable. It's not about who you are. It's, being, it's about what I have for you. And you're going to pick up the difficulty of following me, the suffering, the, the hurt of following me. There's pain in following Jesus. Christ bore his cross and paid our debt, a debt he did not owe, a debt we could not pay, and that was his cross given to him by his Father. Our cross, your cross, my cross, is total sacrifice and total devotion to Jesus Christ. We don't use that word devotion anymore. It's not a common word that we use. We talk about our devotions, in other words, our quiet time with God, but we don't talk about our devotion to someone anymore. That word devotion there, it means this. It means a willingness to give my all, my talent, my treasure, my time to a cause or to a person or for a cause. 
And the whole idea of, of, of picking up my cross, it's saying this. It's saying, I sacrifice myself on a cross where I can't get off, by the way. I've been placed on this cross that God gave me. And he, what he's telling me is this. And I devote, I give all of myself, all of my talents, all of my will, all of my ability to you, God. My devotion. And I'm all into the cause. I'm all into the cause. Now I want you to stop at this moment, Christ follower, and I want you to ask yourself a question. What haven't you devoted? I'm not asking what you have. What haven't you devoted to God? Why? What part are you holding back from the cause? Why? See, the cross cost everything. When Jesus uses this phrase here, there's not, you can't put a little bit of yourself on the cross. <laughs> you can't put a quarter, you can't put a half, you can't put three quarters, you can't put seven eighths. It's all. It's all. It's my complete devotion to him. Did you notice the end of the phrase? I stopped there when I read it. It said, it said to pick up your cross, how often? Anybody remember? Say it out loud. How often? Daily. Why does he say that? Because he knows us. He knows the human heart. He knows me. He knows you. And he knows how quickly and how easily we become self-centered once again. We see our need of Jesus Christ. We understand that we can't, we can't pay the price for our sin and we need a Savior. And we yield ourselves. And, and, and you all, if you're Christ followers, you know the moment you came to that place where you said, Look, I need a Savior. I can't do this. I need somebody who's going to pay the price for my sin. And you gave your heart. And you gave your life and you gave over all to Christ. And it was such a wonderful time. And you can look back at that. But he knows this about us. He knows that slowly we will take it all back. And we will want to live our lives for ourselves again. He knows it. And so he looks at us and he says, look guys, you have to pick up your cross every day and be devoted to this. You got to yield yourself to Jesus Christ every day. Every day. And then he says this if you're going to pick up your cross, you're going to lose your life. And it is our nature to, to work hard to spend our lives pursuing self preservation. And Jesus says, no, pick up your cross. And then lose your life when you do it. Don't try to preserve yourself. I'll look after all that. Don't try to prove yourself that you're such a great Christ follower and that you're doing things the right way. I'll look after all of that. I'll do all that. Lose your life. Lose your life for me. And he gives that verse in there that what does it benefit someone if they lose their whole life and they gain the world but they end with nothing, right? Right? 
It's far better to lose my life to Jesus Christ, to give my life wholeheartedly over to Jesus Christ, to the mission of Jesus Christ, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the outcome of giving my life, losing my life to Jesus Christ, has eternity. It has an effect on eternity. So he says, lose yourself for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Martin Luther said this, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worthless. And often we go through our life hoping that it costs us nothing. We want to skate by. We want to sneak under. But being a follower of Jesus Christ costs everything. The price is deep. So barrier number one is what? Self. You haven't forgotten. Thank you. Barrier number two, we've got to hurry, is this. Becoming single-minded. See, we can give up ourselves and we can say, God, I'm all yours. And there are all kinds of wonderful things in the church that look so good that I should go do. And we can be scattered in our mind. We can be scattered in what we do. We can be doing a little bit here and a little bit there. And, and, and they're all great things and they all look good. But we don't have a focus. We're not focused on what Jesus Christ has actually asked, asked us to do. And we're just running around doing good things. And so I have to give up my self-focus. But then I have to become single-minded. Single-minded. Let me read this verse to you. It says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. But Jesus said to them, No one who puts his hand to a plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me give you the context. Jesus has just finished talking to a few of his disciples in verses 57 to 61. And in that passage of Scripture, it'll be on the screen. I don't have time to read it right now. But they all said that they're going to follow him after they do something major. After I go and I bury my, my, my parents who are ill or whatever, after I go do that, then I'll follow you. And Jesus then goes to this verse, and he, or this statement, and he says, look, someone who puts their hand to the plow and starts, but then turns around and looks back, isn't worthy of following me. Now, I grew up as a farmer's son, and some of you have heard me say this before. I grew up farming, and I remember the first time that my father put me on the tractor and the plow. We had a field at the back part of our farm that was close to a mile long. And I remember, I was just a young guy, I was probably, I mean, we wouldn't have, this wouldn't happen today, by the way, but I was probably seven or eight. And I remember getting put on the tractor, and you're going to start plowing. And I remember him pull, taking me to the middle of the field the, the, at one end, and looking way down to the other end, and there was a dead tree at the other end. And I remember exactly what he told me. He said, Tim, when you start, don't take your eyes off that tree. Don't look back. And he put me in a low gear, and he set me off. And he said, do not take your eyes off that tree. And he met me at the other end when I got there. And I picked the plow up, and I turned the tractor, and he stopped, and he says, now look back. And when I look back, guess what? It was straight. I'm a young kid, and it was straight. There's a few little wiggles. I'm a young kid, but it was straight. You want to know why? I didn't look back. Because every time you look back, you lose your focus. You're double-minded. Believer, 
What do you keep looking back at? The mission's in front of you. It's not behind you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about restoration and redemption of souls who are lost, who are separated from the presence and the person of God. And they're in front of you. That's the mission. What makes you keep looking back? What is it in your heart and your mind that takes your focus off, for me as a kid, the dead tree at the end? Believer, how far have you veered off course? If you were to stop right now with where you are and plowing that furrow of the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation for those who are close to you, and you turned around and you looked right now, how straight would the course be? What has you distracted? What's pulling you away from being single-minded? In James chapter 1, Jesus says it this way, or he uses James to say it. Now, if any of you lack wisdoms, wisdom he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. You'll see where I'm going right here. For the doubter is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. And that person should not accept, expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all their ways. See, for us as believers, when we turn and we look back, it's not that we got distracted. It's that we lost our faith. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about your trust in what God is doing and where he's taking you. And James tells us this, look, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then stay single-minded. Follow. Because there's going to be tempest and waves and a surging of the sea that's going on. And it's happening in our culture. It's happening in our world. It's tossing. It's beating. It's pushing us. And God says, no, you need to stay faith in God, single-minded. This is what he asked. This is what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter what's going on around me. That's where I'm headed. Is that you? Paul said it this way in Philippians. He said, this one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. See, for some of us, our distraction is our past life. It's how we lived our life. It's what happened in our life. It's what happened to us. Or it's, it's what we allowed to do or, or what we did or the addiction that grabbed us or, or whatever it is. It's those things that have grabbed us. And Paul says this, no, forgetting what's behind me, I press. I move on. So the barriers focus are this. First of all, it's myself. And the second barrier is this, that because I'm not focused where I ought to be, my self-focus is not where it should be, then I'm double-minded. I'm not single-minded. There's all kinds of things that have grabbed my attention and pulled me away from where it is that God asked me to go. 
So believer this morning, how single-minded are you? You can be. God gives us his spirit and gives us the ability to be single-minded. What are the things that are stopping you from being on mission? From being single-minded, focused on Christ? And then probably the hardest question that I have to ask you is this. Are you willing to give them over to God? Are you going to keep playing with them? Are you willing to say, yeah, God, that's the focus and I'm all in. I'm devoted. I'm in. I'll do it. Or as a Christ follower, are you going to let the barriers push you all over the place so that you don't end up sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ the way he wants us to? We're going to finish with a song in just a minute called Graves to Garden. It says this, that I tried everything. I tried it all. And some of us as believers, we thought we've missed out and so we're trying other things. We're not listening to God because we think that God is holding out on us and we're missing something really cool. And so we're off running doing that thing when God says, no, I want you here. The song says, I've tried everything, but nothing fills me. Nothing gives me what it is that I need like following God, like saying yes to God, like being sold out 100% totally devoted to the mission of God himself. So this morning as we sing this song and we close, I want you to go back to yourself. Don't think about anybody else. Where are you in this mission? What's holding you from following through? Father, As we sing this song, would you grant us the courage to really look at our own hearts and our own life? You gave us one mission, (laughs) share the truth about Jesus Christ. Give people hope that can only be found in your son. We're so easily distracted. There are barriers that stop us, and it all starts with our own hearts. And so would you help us? Would you help us to look at that? Would you help us to look at our own hearts? Help us to be honest with you. This morning, in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for praising with us this morning. Have a great week.